Pastor Daniel and I are going to share together here in a moment. It is 11 o'clock right now. Uh, our goal always in these services is to be finished by 11.30. That's not going to happen. Okay, I'm just going to let you know right up front that's not going to happen. But, but if, you, if you could give us just a few minutes more because what we're sharing today is so key that to feel rushed uh, is, is just not going to be beneficial for anyone. As we are receiving the offering, I want to thank you. We, we had a meeting in, uh, back on August 20th regarding where we're at financially and the fact that our pastoral staff has um, had to be trimmed back and we've, uh, we've made some major cuts, anywhere from 50% uh, salary, 25% salary, uh, down to 10% mandatory. And, uh, you know, those are difficult decisions to make, but based upon where our giving has been, we had to make those decisions. Um, you have been responding in a beautiful way, and we want to thank you for that. And that's uh, one of the testimonies that my wife's going to share next week is in regards to that. And, um, and so we want to thank you, and we need to continue to go to another level and see breakthrough occur uh, in every area of our lives as a church. What we're going to be sharing with you today, the title of this message, uh, is No Other Foundation. Can you say that with me? No Other Foundation. Now, we're just finishing up the offering, and thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Uh, and what you are giving uh, over these next few weeks uh, over and above our regular giving to Victory Compassion Ministries. We're going to be getting those dollars to Convoy of Hope. Why Convoy of Hope? Convoy of Hope, uh, 90 cents of every dollar we give actually makes it to the people who have the need. You check out, uh, you go online and check out uh, organizations. You're not going to find an organization that is better than that percentage. And we know the people. We know them, they, and they are the boots on the ground, and they are there quickly uh, and doing a tremendous job. And so we will be announcing to you over these next few weeks the amount of money that we're able to send through all of us being generous. Can you place your hand on your heart? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray now that you would give us a heart that is receptive and a mind that is open. And Jesus, when you spoke, you said, let he who has ears to hear, listen. Give us ears to hear. Not just two men speaking, but give us ears to hear what Holy Spirit is saying. Bless Pastor Daniel and I as we share this morning. And bless us as a church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, is, it's going to be up here on the screen. I'd actually like you to read these verses with me as we begin. Can we begin right now? And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. I fit, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, 
Are you not carnal in behaving like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Some 700 years before this was written, Isaiah, the prince of the prophets, wrote this. In Isaiah 28:16. he prophesied. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, prophesying about the Messiah. The church, and the Greek word is ekklesia, does not exist by human invention, but God's. In fact, Jesus stated in Matthew 16, 18, you might remember this, he said, I will build what? My church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As the ecclesia, and say this with me, I am the ecclesia. Say that. I am the ecclesia. See, the church is not the building. It's the people. And it's not a denomination. It's, it is every child of God who has come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. As the ecclesia, the church, we are number one, called out. Say that with me. Called out. That's the true meaning of the word ecclesia. We are called out of the world system. See that there are a number of Greek words for the one English word, world. But this particular word is the world system where man is in charge, where it's dog eat dog, where it's about politics and division and strife. We're called out to that. But we are called into, say that with me, called into the body of Christ, the church. That is God's system. So we're not just called out from something, we're called into something. Paul made it very clear in these scriptures that there's an expectation of the regenerated believer to not act like the world or mere men, as he said. When he refers to one being spiritual, the Greek meaning is of the spirit, which the Greek word is pneuma. And when he refers to carnal, the real meaning is that of the flesh, or the Greek word is sarx, S-A-R-X. So as God's people, we can be God's people, but act more like babies than adults. John 17, 15, 16, Jesus is speaking in the longest recorded prayer of Christ, In John 17, he said, I do not pray that you should take them, that is the believers who trust me, out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, the what? The world system. 
just as I am not of the world. So we live in this world, but we're not a part of the world. We're being called into the ecclesia. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, Jesus, speaking of his followers, he said, You are the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. He said, let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Then Peter spoke and said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, speaking of you and I, the ecclesia, the children of God, he said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Jesus is the foundation, the owner, the builder, the leader, and the head of the church. Not a denominational leader, certainly not Bishop Thomas or Pastor Daniel, it is Jesus himself who owns the church, is the foundation of the church. Once again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, I want to highlight this. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, like babes in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. You can almost hear the disappointment in his voice, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Apollo, and another of Apollos, are you not carnal? Paul had things that he wanted to say to these believers in, in Corinth, but he knew that he had to dumb it down to his statements from the spiritual level, which was his desire, to a carnal level. He had to speak to them as baby Christians, even though they were no longer should have been baby Christians, but they were acting that way. Babies in the natural and spiritual need milk, but as they grow, they, they need nourishment that takes an ability to chew and digest. The difference between milk, why does a baby have milk? Well, because they don't have to chew milk. They have no teeth. Their digestive system is designed in such a way that that they can break down milk, but, but you don't feed a baby a piece of steak because they've got to chew that. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. And you can, you can survive on milk spiritually, but you cannot grow, and that's what Paul was pointing out. The major traits that were demonstrated to indicate their Peter Pan refusal to grow up state was spelled out in verse 3, for where there's envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Because they were saying, well, I, I, like, I like Paul the most. Another one saying, well, I like, I like Apollos. Okay? And there was great division. Even one other time, Paul pointed out some are of Peter and some were of Christ. Well, that, that was the most spiritual group, obviously. They had a favoritism amongst leadership, and this divided them in their opinions, and it created factions. See, the, the, the church that is unified, the church that comes into alignment with God and in unity with each other, there's a power released there. 
How did Paul set them straight? He set them straight by reminding them that the very leaders they were arguing over were fellow servants of Christ. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting that when, um, you know, the, the Corinthian church, that some of them were a bunch of babes, and Paul at, at times probably was quite frustrated. Do you ever get frustrated with people that aren't growing up in time? You ever get frustrated with their kids? You know, they're 19, but they're acting like they're 9, right? Or they're 39 and they're acting like they're 19. Can anybody relate? Okay. So, so Paul was a little bit frustrated with the kids. This is the church at Corinth that he was hoping some of them would be a little more mature than they had been. And I think for us to continue, we need to recognize that the whole thinking strategy, the whole uh, way they would, would embrace life and even look at life was Greek philosophy. They, they would look at life in a whole different way. So this whole new thing about, hey, trusting in Jesus, this whole thing of living a life that honors God was so contrary and different for the church. That's sort of an understanding as to why Paul was frustrated because he realized their way of thinking. He realized that the way they had been taught up until now was so very contrary. Say contrary. Contrary. Contrary to what they were used to. Some of you could testify probably and stand right now and say, listen, before I got saved, this is what I thought about God. Or before I got saved, this is what I thought about religion. But then God came into your life, began to illuminate your path, began to change your heart, began to massage your heart, began to allow the love of Holy Spirit to just filter in and absolutely just saturate who you are. So many of you are a different person now than you were when you first came to Christ. Amen. You know, I love hearing stories of people that, that were raised in church. And thank God we have an amazing creation station. We have an amazing Victory Kids and Gap and youth program here. Your kids, your grandkids, when they come here, they're hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so many of them are praying in tongues. So many of them are raising their hands in worship. So many of them love Jesus. Amen. That's amazing. Yes. But I love also hearing, Bishop, when I sit across from somebody over coffee. Anybody else in the room like coffee? Hey, this past week was National Coffee Day. Did you guys celebrate? Absolutely. I got a cup the size of a hot tub, and uh, no. I... But you know, when you sit across from coffee with somebody, and you begin to realize their story, when you hear where they came from and where God has brought them. So this, this is what, what Paul was talking about when he talked to the, to the Corinthian church. He realized their way of thinking had been so contrary to what he was propagating and the love of Christ. It was such a whole different thing. Paul answers the question uh, by stating the fact that, that we are all ministers. And when you say the word minister, it doesn't mean those of us that have the privilege of vocational ministry. When he talks about we're all ministers, what he's really saying, church, is that we're all servants of the Most High. We're all servants of God. I hope that each of you in this, in this room today, as you're sit, sitting there, that you recognize that you're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may never do a funeral, you may never bury, you may never marry, you may never be registered, but you know what? You are a minister as much as I am. I hope you get that. So, so Paul's talking to this church and saying, listen, you're ministers, you're servants of God. This is who you are. Paul began to describe the assignment that God gave to each one that he calls. If you were listening carefully when we had our new members come forward, we talked about how, listen, there's going to be something new that God's going to present to them as an opportunity to go deeper and to grow wider. That's how God works. He gives each of us an assignment. You have an assignment at work. You have an assignment in your neighborhood. You have an assignment in your family that no one else in your family can do but you. 
Don't you dare sit there at Thanksgiving dinner and say, well, it's up to Aunt Bessie. She prays more and she knows the word better so she can be the one to represent Jesus. All of us have an assignment as a minister. Yeah, we're all ministers. Can I see nodding heads? And as a servant of the Most High. That is something we all need to grasp. We all have an assignment. I love babies. Anybody in the room like babies? All the moms are nodding and all the dads are going, well, do I have to change diapers? Yeah. One nice thing, you know, I'm in my 50s and, and I feel bad for you guys in your 70s and 80s. Because you never had the privilege of doing a whole lot of diapering. My understanding is that generation didn't do a whole lot of diapers. Can I get an amen from some of the ladies in the room? Yeah. My generation and below, just generally speaking, are, are much more involved in the child care of our children. I changed almost as many diapers. You get my point there. So I love babies. And when we think about the birth of a baby, we recognize that it takes a man and it takes a woman. You know, you know how that works, Right? Right? But at the end of the day, God is the giver of life. God is. God is the giver of life, and that's something that we need to recognize. So, you know, we talk about how the Lord ordained and created the church. Bishop's already taught on that, and he placed different individuals. All of us have something to bring to the table with a variety of giftings into the church. Some of us are an elbow. Some of us are a pinky. Some of us is a, is a kneecap. We're all members of this body, and God wants to use each of us in a way that honors him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 14 should be on the screen. Screen. Listen to what it says. says, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but what? But many. But many. And then later on in that same chapter, verses 18 through 20, says this. But in fact, God has placed the parts in one body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Can you imagine if, as humans, we all look like octopuses? Can you imagine if we all had, like, arms floating around? You wouldn't be able to accomplish what God's called you to do as a human because, you know, you just got too many arms going on. So some of you that sit there and say, oh, man, I wish I had the gift that I could sing like these guys up front. Oh, man, I, you know, I used to play sticks, you know, when I, when I was a kid in high school, but, oh, I watched some of the drummers up there. Oh, man, I wish I could do that. Here's the deal. You've got something nobody else on this platform has. God has called you and given you an assignment, church, that you need to recognize only you can fulfill. Mm-hmm. Only you can fulfill. And as we prayed over the new members, you know, it's not like there's a special thing that happened today other than we said, you know what? You're growing deeper and going more in your commitment to Christ in this house. And with that, God's going to open up a whole new door and opportunity and give you a whole new assignment. We sometimes forget what God has called us to do. And sometimes we forget who God has called us to be. I, I can remember when I was 13, 12, 12 years of age, we had these three old maids. Can I say that in church? There were three old maids that were sisters. They were just old maids. They had never married. That's a phrase, right? Can I say that in church, Pastor Jim? So there was these three old maids, and they were in their 70s and 80s, and I knew them from church. They never married. They grew up in this house. The house was built in the 1800s. They were raised there. They had four sisters. Only one got married. The three never married. They were wonderful ladies. They had a lot of personality. Can I say they were eccentric? They were eccentric. And so they would hire me to do yard work. And I can remember, you know, they would pay me a little bit per hour if I mowed their grass. But they had rocks in the back of their yard. And and they didn't want the mower to get it. So they would actually pay me one penny for every three rocks that I would pick up. Can you imagine doing that as a 12-year-old kid? Can you? And I literally was counting. And then every now and then, the bucket would be half full. And guess what? I lost count. 
I'm like, where am I at? Because I've got to get paid, but I want to be a man of integrity even back then. So every now and then I have to dump that bucket out, true story, and count them again. Because, you know, at the end of the day I made like $4.13. But you know what? There's a whole bucket of rocks to prove it. I can remember that. And so why do I tell that story? Well, here's why. There's a story about forgetfulness. And there was three sisters who lived together. And one sister went up to bed one night. And halfway up the stairs she stopped. And she said, you know, she was elderly. And she says, was I going up or coming down the steps? And the other sister yelled at her and said, with a hint of aggravation, she said, you were going up to bed. The second sister headed into the kitchen and, to make herself a sandwich. And once in the kitchen, she hollered back to her other sister, uh, what, what did I come in here for? You guys ever have that happen? So we're forgetful, aren't we? See, the whole lesson here is we forget who God is sometimes in our lives, and we forget what he's called us to do, and who he's called us to be. We forget sometimes. So here's the third sister. Here's what she said. The sister responded again with a trace of irritation, and she said, you went in to make yourself a sandwich, after which she said, I'm so glad I'm not forgetful, as the both of you are, and she knocked on the end table, Then she got up and walked over to the door, and she said, who is it? Paul was reminding the church that some are to plant, some are to water. Don't ever envy the other guy. Do what you've been called to do. Be obedient to who God has called you to be. And make sure you listen carefully to Holy Spirit. Because every one of us in this room has an assignment from Holy Spirit. You may never hold a microphone. You may never be in front of people. But that's not where the work of God happens. The work of God happens in your homes, in your workplace, in your schools, over coffee. Know your assignment. Listen to Holy Spirit. Do not forget what the Lord has done in your life and who God has called you to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. Verse 10 of these main scriptures that we're looking at, Paul says this. He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me. So you cannot give what you do not have. Jesus had said one time, freely have you received, freely give. He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation, verse 11 I think is up there, can you read it with me again? For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's something called enabling grace. Say that with me, enabling grace. I remember when we installed Pastor Joe as the interim pastor uh, a number of months back, people were asking the question, well, how long will he be the interim pastor? We said, we don't know, as long as God gives him enabling grace to do so. And then it became evident after a short period of time that he was to become the campus pastor. But there's an enabling grace that if you do something, God has given you an enabling grace to do that. And as servants of Christ, we have a call and assignment from God by which he grants us that enabling grace to fulfill Paul founded the, the church in Corinth. He was the one who went there, preached the gospel. He became their spiritual dad, and he knew his call. The word that he used for master builder is actually the word architect. 
If you look at it in the original language, he was an architect. He had the big picture in mind. We've talked about the big picture the last few weeks and how that sometimes we can get caught up in the small little picture and lose sight of the big picture. God had given Paul as an apostle a vision of the big picture and then Paul obeyed. He knew that others would come after him in building upon the work that he had started. He understood that as humans, we each have our season as pastors. The reality is we're all interim pastors. None of us leads forever. I I tell when I teach leaders, I say, listen, if Moses had his run, you're only going to have your run. You know, none of us are going to do whatever we do forever. He concludes with his chief concern. His chief concern, Paul says, is this, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can be laid than which is Jesus Christ. Those of us called to vocational ministry, as Pastor Daniel pointed out, and we say it all the time, if you're born again, you're in the ministry. The moment you were born again, you're in ministry. You may not be in vocational ministry. In other words, this is our call. We have a, what is called a five Five-fold call, according to Ephesians 4, of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But every, every child of God is called into the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, but we walk in a fear of God because of we are building upon a holy foundation of Jesus Christ himself. Our heart is to never attempt to present wood, hay, or stubble that then, when it is tested by fire, it perishes but to present gold, silver, and precious stones that are only purified by fire. That's what the next verses say. Before Pastor Daniel and I open up our hearts to you here in just a moment, and love to have your undivided attention, here's the three things I want to close with before we share. Number one, hearing his voice. There's nothing more important that any of us can do as a child of God than to learn to hear the voice of God. John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. They will recognize my voice. The voice of a stranger they will not follow. I've told you many, many times, we've been here you know, nearly 40 years. I've told you many, many times, my frustration in reading those verses when I was a young Christian, the baby Christian that we're talking about, I was literally a baby Christian didn't grow up in the church, had never read the Bible. And I'd read John chapter 10, and I thought, but I don't know your voice. I can't tell your voice from my voice from the devil's voice when I was a young baby Christian. But as it is, the more often you hear somebody's voice, you get to know that voice. If you've ever had anybody call you up and say, hey, how you doing? And you say, hey, I'm doing good. But you're thinking, who is this? (laughs) Now, they assume you know. I, I told you the story about the one Saturday morning when I answered the phone. When we we'd only been married for about a year, I went out to the L-shaped living room we had, and I talked for a while to this person. I came back to the bedroom. It was early Saturday morning. My wife said, "Who was that?" I said, "I don't know, but they're coming over this afternoon." <laughs> True story. Now, some of you are so young. You said, "Well, didn't you check the caller ID?" There was no caller ID. We actually had a phone that was plugged in the wall that had a curly Q thing. Come on. We, some of us thought we were big time when we got the long 15-foot curly Q thing. <laughs> then remember the thing where you pulled up the antenna and you... Oh, uh, okay. 
But hearing his voice, number two, obeying what he says. Obeying what he says. See, it's one thing to hear his voice. I heard his voice, which led me to leave a very good job at Lordstown with a wife and two little children. And in, in the natural, it made no sense. You said, well, didn't you see this? No. I saw a little trailer we lived in, and I saw living by faith and being a youth pastor. That's what I saw. But see, it's about obedience. It's not about him having to explain every detail. And number three, giving him all the glory. See, that, that's what we as Christ's servants desire to do. Pastor Daniel and I have walked a journey for, for a long, long time. We've, uh, we have been joined at the hip for some time. He used to sit way back there, not, 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 not way back I, there. I wasn't in rebellion, I promise. Just not way up here or way up here, but he was a member of the church before he became our worn campus pastor. And then you might remember the story of August of 2015 when the Lord spoke to him and uh, he became our, my executive pastor and eventually our chief operating officer. Well, let me tell you something about this church. Say this church. This church is not a normal church. This is an apostolic center. It, it's true. Uh, this is not your, your normal local community church. The word apostle or apostolic means sending. Do you realize that the eight campuses that are meeting a Victory Christian Center today, one church, main locations, all came out of this house? That even the, the joining of two churches, New Wilmington and this, happened because of this house? So this is not a normal church. This is very, very unique. It's an apostolic center. Well, Last, a year ago summer, early summer of 2016, I had been planning transition for some time. Why? Because transition is not normally done well in church. Unfortunately, it's often a moral failure or there's a, a, a divorce of the, of the of the lead pastor, or there's a financial situation, or, or there's death. There, there's something bad that happens. And, and I have in front of me my friend Sandy Calkin, a neighbor, and he and I have talked probably for 15 years about my heart that when transition occurs, I want to do it right. Because you may or may not realize this church, but there are churches around not just the country, but the world that looks at Victory Christian Center as to how to do it. So there, unto whom much is given, much is required. So I wanted to do this right, and I, I had been talking with someone who I believe God was calling to follow my wife and I, but the timing was not right. Say that with me, the timing was not right. See, it's not only the will of God, it's the ways of God, and what's that third thing? The, timing of God. I found myself in an awkward place where that I was tired, where that the responsibilities of being bishop and overseeing eight campuses and leading a network and speaking a, a lot of places, not because, not just as a guest speaker, but as a father in that house, 
I was, I was worn down. And then what I thought was going to happen in summer of 2015 or 2016, that door closed because the timing was not right. Well, that brings me up to early July of 2016. Pastor Daniel and I were together, uh, and, and I, I, want, I want him to share a little bit of what occurred on that day. Sure. We, uh, Bishop and I, of course, uh, meet regularly uh, in, in the role that I was serving in particular then. Uh, just trying to represent him and, and hold his arms up and, and uh, do what I can to ensure that the work of the campus here moves forward as well as whatever other role I had in the other campuses. And as we were navigating the, that little season there where we realized that the plan that um, Bishop was originally looking at seemed like the, the timing wasn't right. And so even as, as leadership um, in some of our circles, we, we would talk about how, you know, we're at a place where with Bishop being gone quite a bit, uh, with Bishop having a, a different mantle upon his life, the apostolic mantle that all of you have seen increase these last years. Um, and for the body of Christ, it's a good thing. But what's been a good thing for the body of Christ, at times, the Coitsville campus was, was in a place where they, you, could really benefit from a full-time campus pastor. We knew that, that that little window that we thought you know, we were looking into, Bishop and Pastor Kathy were praying into, the timing of the Lord was not right. And so we, we recognized, as Bishop and I talked that afternoon in July, that you know, moving forward, that you know, Coitsville needs and would benefit from a campus pastor, a full-time campus pastor. And I knew when I first came to Coitsville that I would not serve as a long-term campus pastor. I knew I was of the wrong age. You know, it's just, it's not, the numbers aren't right. Um, but I, I really felt impressed to say to Bishop, Bishop, you know, um, sometimes following a long-term pastor, sometimes following a founding pastor, it benefits a house, it benefits a body, it benefits a church to have someone step in for an interim period of time. It benefits the house that allows the people to sort of negotiate and navigate what that might look like with a different senior leader in preparation for the long-term senior leader that God has chosen. So I said to Bishop, um, and again, prompting from Holy Spirit, much like when I first came here a year mm -hmm. before that, I said, well, I, I feel like I want to offer myself as that person to the interim campus pastor. And we began to have that discussion. And when he did so that day, when, when he offered to be that next person, our discussion from the very first moment is knowing that it would be short term. We did not know what that meant, but we had said to you very clear, when he came from Warren campus, became my executive pastor, remember we made it very clear, he, he said it, I said it, he is not following me. You, you, know, you might remember that conversation. Well, he did. But what we knew from day one, from July of 2016, is that, that he would be more or less preparing the way and being that short-term campus pastor. I, on that day, became increasingly impressed by Pastor Daniel's willingness to see beyond himself and to see the health of the church and the health of the kingdom. He said yes to the Lord. We began to have discussions. 
uh, we formed a transition team. That transition team knew uh, this reality of the discussion on the boat, uh, that this was short-term. And you might ask us, well, well what, what do you mean by short-term? Why didn't you tell us that this, was, this may be short-term? Well, we, for one thing, we're not that bright that we knew what short-term, what the length was. See, if you would have gone to Moses and said, Moses, when is the cloud going to move? Because if you know anything about that journey that they took, there were some times that that cloud stood still for two years, and they were not supposed to move. And, and by that time, you planted a garden. By that time, you got a nice little house. By that time, you're, you're sort of liking this spot. But if you would have gone to Moses and said, Moses, now, now wait a minute, you met with God on the mountain, you're really close to God, when is the cloud going to move? He would have to say, I don't know. And the reality is with Pastor Daniel and I, we did not know what short-term meant. But uh, he, his willingness to say yes to the Lord, our willingness to have no egos involved. And as we met with you uh, in August of 2016, and we shared the story that, that we're referring to now where that this church needed a full-time campus pastor, that my ability to be both bishop and full-time campus pastor, that, that is not going to work any longer. We need to do this. I honor Pastor Daniel for his obedience to the Lord and, and for saying yes to God. And so in two times now, I, I've told him privately, and I will say it publicly over and over, I will honor this man my entire life because on two occasions now, both leaving the Warren campus and becoming my executive pastor because the Lord spoke to him, and now stepping into the role following, uh, following me, uh, in, this, in this season, I will honor him forever. What we are sharing with you today is that we now believe, and, and when I say we, he and I, as well as uh, key leadership of the church, we now believe that it is the right timing uh, in regards to that long-term next generational pastor to lead this house. And so Pastor Daniel and Patty uh, will close out their time here with us as campus pastors at the end of this month on the 29th. There are some wonderful opportunities that it appears that God is presenting to them. That's been my prayer as I've said, Lord, this man has honored me. He's honored you. Would you honor him? And it appears that the Lord is indeed doing that. And uh, they will always be family. And so, you know, you're, you know, on Friday nights and conferences and different times, they will always be family. You're going to have the opportunity on the 29th. You're going to have the opportunity, first of all, on Pastor Appreciation Day on the 15th of this month. Uh, you can, so you can bless them twice. Uh, but on the final Sunday of the month, uh, he will be preaching, by the way, the remainder of this month. Uh, we have previous uh, uh, responsibilities next Sunday and the following Sunday that will take us away from Coitsville. But we'll be here on the 22nd and the 29th as Pastor Daniel ministers. And we'll have an opportunity on the 29th to, to, uh, uh, to, re to celebrate his obedience to the Lord. Now, you might remember a few weeks ago that when Jesus, when Jesus mentioned out of obedience to the Father, 
that he was going to go to Jerusalem, be, be betrayed by the elders, and be crucified. Do you remember Peter thought he was doing something nice? And do you remember Peter went to Jesus and said, no, this cannot be. Do you remember how Jesus responded to that? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> Because you are savoring the things of man, you've fallen into the soulish realm, and you have missed the spirit realm. In other words, Jesus was saying to Peter, if you think you're doing me a favor right now, you're not doing me a favor. I'm trying to obey God. I'm obeying my Father. What you want to say to Pastor Daniel and to Patty is a tremendous thank you for, the, for his obedience to the Lord. Okay? Obedience to the Lord and the way. But now you're going to get the opportunity, you may be seated, you're going to get the opportunity to do that every week through the whole month of October. <laughs> and do it. Do it because from my heart, and you need to know this, he and I are good. If you think, well, I've been in churches before, and I bet you there's been this or that or the other thing, uh, just sort of flush that, would you? That, that, there's nothing. There's no truth to that. We... Uh, one thing that we are here at Victory is we're pretty healthy and we're very authentic. And so he and I are good. In fact, we're, we're walking this journey together. And what we know, this journey for us is life. It's not just, you know, for a short period, it's for life. Forever I will be honoring uh, this man for his obedience to the Lord in lifting my hands. Now, by the final Sunday of this month, uh, uh, on the 29th, we will announce on that day who we believe God has been preparing for a long, long time to be the campus pastor here uh, probably for the rest of our lives. And, uh, you know, my wife and I also acknowledge that this will be our base forever. This is not only home, but Lester Summerall, great man who's with the Lord now, one of the statements he made as an apostolic man is he said, don't ever let go of your base. This is our base. This is home. But, and, and we pastor you to the best of our ability, but you need a full-time uh, campus pastor. And that announcement will be made on the 29th. Can I ask this of you? Would you pray a lot into that? But would you not start your guessing games? You know, I, we, told, we shared with the support staff the other day, and support staff, I told them, I said, listen, I can just see you guys now. Hey, I'll put five bucks on so-and-so, and hey, I'll, I've got ten on so-and-so. And then, as only Derek could do, wherever Derek is at, Derek said, you know, there he is. Derek said, you know, if you could delay this to March, we could call it March Madness, you know. <laughs> I said, thanks, Derek. But don't, don't do that. Don't do that. It's, um, uh, it is not somebody on this team here at Coitsville. I will share that with you so that you won't be going to Pastor Ben and to everybody on this team and say, I, I've got $10 on you. You know, don't do that. Listen, the reason we've shared this with you today 
is I want to say thank you, and I want Pastor Daniel to say other words before we leave, but I want to say, I want to look at you and to thank you from the deepest part that I have in my life. What we read today, you've not done. Not one of you has seemingly has struggled with the fact that I'm bishop and he's been campus pastor. There's not been division and strife like there was in the church of Corinth. What does that say to you? You're a premature group. I, I can tell you that in our almost 40 years here, I've tried my best to teach you to be kingdom-minded. Not just church-minded, but kingdom-minded. I want to say thank you to you for how the level of maturity that you have walked in. I, and I mean this from my heart. You have, I, I would tell Pastor Daniel, I am so pleased over this past year or so because this started over a year ago, well over a year ago, beginning of July of 2016. And how you have shown your maturity in keeping your eyes on Jesus and loving my wife and I, but also loving Pastor Daniel and Patty. There's not been competition. We are not in competition with each other at all. We are, we are not only brothers in the Lord, but I'm his pastor, his bishop. He is, we are friends, and, and we want to continue that friendship. Now, Pastor Daniel, anything else upon your heart before we wrap things up? I think we'd all benefit from a moment of transparency. Can I be transparent? There's a lot of better men out there than me. A lot of better preachers out there than me. But what I've learned in serving the Lord now for 35, 37 years is that at the end of the day, he wants us to love and he asks of us to, to be obedient to what he calls us to do and who he calls us to be. It's, it's really that simple. Love God, love people. It, it boils down to that and obedience. So here's the transparent part. Two years ago, when Bishop and I were in the hot tub, <laughs> you know this story. Things were going really good at the Warren campus, I assure you. Things, God was doing some amazing things. I thought I'd be there for decades. And God said, you're, you're to support Bishop at Coatesville. And I said, what? I just knew to be obedient. July of 2016, when I felt prompted sitting in his boat, and, and the thing I've learned is don't get in a hot tub and don't sit in a boat with Bishop. Avoid water. Avoid water. Once again, I, Bishop, in part of his teaching today, mentioned how as we grow older in the Lord, hopefully you learn to hear his voice. And I'm not perfect in this, but I hear his voice a lot, and I heard his voice. And he said, walk into this. And honestly, when we agreed to this last summer, and we talked to the short, short uh, transition team, I didn't know what it would look like. I didn't know how long it would last. A year or two or three or five. I didn't know. All I knew is that when my assignment was done, say word assignment. 
assignment. My assignment's done. But it feels a lot different than I thought it would. Because Patty and I have fallen in love with this house and your family. And I'm going to miss you deeply. Please know that. You can't be a pastor and not fall in love with the people. I love smelling like sheep. I love it. Yes. My time here at Victory, it's been about 16 years, has transformed me and has changed me. And wherever the Lord has for us, there's some amazing opportunities before us. I'm grateful for this time here. And I'm going to start a, a, a series next week. Here's a plug. So, you know, typical preacher. I've got to plug it. But I have a three-week series we're starting next week. You won't want to miss it. And the 22nd, we're going to do a service that's going to be memorable, I promise, yes. on the 22nd, the third Sunday of that series. So, so put that in your calendar. And then on the 29th, I'll have the chance to minister as well. But, you know, what's that old movie, Don't Cry For Me? Or is that a song? What is it? It's something like that, right? Don't cry for me. We're good. Bishop and I are good. We're, we're good. I promise you. Like you, I've been through a lot of transitions in life, and we'll get through this. But just know of my love for this house. It's deep. Amen. Good man, Amen. He is. A very good man. Very good man. Very good man. Why don't we all stand? Let me just, uh, before we do a blessing, let me, let me say this to you real clearly. Timing in life is so key. The will of God, the ways of God, the timing of God. Over these next today and over these next weeks, love on the house, cry on them, leave stains on Pastor Daniel's. I, I just had to take three suits in to get them dry clean. You know why? There was makeup all over. And I'd love to say it was her makeup, but, you know, all the hugging and such. But I, I mean this. With the hawks over these next weeks, love them. Hug on them. But do not make this like a long, drawn-out funeral. I say this for their sake and for yours. There should be a celebration of obedience, of honor, and of character. Because I, I've got to tell you, you can, you can walk with someone during the easy times and maybe they demonstrate a good heart and good character. That's not the test. Walk with them through some stuff. And can I tell you, my wife and I have walked with Pastor Daniel through some transitions more difficult than this. This is a good man. This is a good man. He has a good heart. And he married, he married a good woman in Patty. And they just, they're, they just love each other so deeply. And we're going to, the four of us are going to walk this journey together. But, but I, I mean this. 
don't make it more difficult for them. Now, it'd make it really difficult that, you know, if you didn't express your heart and everything, it's like, they're not even going to miss us. Uh, you know, we know that feeling. Um, and uh, so, so love on them, support them, encourage them. And, and this is probably going to be as beautiful a navigation of healthy transition as you're ever going to witness. And you say, well, I don't like change. Well, one thing that we've learned in life, change is pretty inevitable. Uh, somebody back here, uh, Diane, Mari, are you still here, Diane? Uh, Diane recently, Terry Mari's wife, gave me a yearbook from 1970. That's the year I graduated Badger High School. Change is evident when you put your high school picture up and you look in the mirror and it's like, oh man. You know, Pastor Daniel and Patty, would you come up and join us? We will be announcing on that final Sunday at the conclusion of the service, and the timing is very, very, very important of the October 29th. We'll be making that announcement then. Uh, on that day, there will be a, a wonderful, wonderful farewell. Bless this couple uh, in every way. And so, uh, you know, I just, once again, we're going to be saying a lot more words, but I want to look at the two of you and just honor you and thank you for who you are. And we're praying for you in this season because even those opportunities that are before you, once again, you need to hear his voice. Is this the right opportunity? I know this. God honors those who honor him. You've honored him through your obedience. You've honored us through your obedience. You've lifted my hands. And I, I will be forever grateful. I've said that to you one-on-one. -on -one. I will say that everywhere. I'll be forever grateful. And uh, church family, just before we say the blessing, you're going to go through changes in your life. Learn through this how to hear his voice how to have character, how to have integrity, how to have honor and do things right. Because this is a living, breathing example that it can be done right. And I believe that when we come to the 29th and, and we share the announcement regarding the future, I believe that, that your heart is going to be filled with joy in knowing the wisdom of God and the grace of God. Why don't we join hands together and Let's do the blessing together. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the Spirit of the living God rest upon each and every one of us. May the Lord lead the hawks, even in these weeks ahead as Pastor Daniel ministers. And may the Lord open the door that is evident that it is Him. And may God's grace be upon each and every one of you at Victory Christian Center, Coitsville Campus. And may we journey together for the greatest days lie ahead of us. We bless you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. give the Lord praise, would you? If you need prayer or need to talk to somebody, come on down front. There will be people here. God bless you.